we created the work cards because we wanted to help people live their dream to be able to achieve the things that they maybe couldn't achieve without us. And so with the foundation, you know, it's, to me, it's exactly the same. We're just trying to help different people live a different dream. And unfortunately, their dream is, you know, having a roof over their heads and, and having something to eat, which is a little bit more basic, but it's still a dream. This is Innovative Speak, a show about how innovators around the world are leading us into the workplace of the future. I'm Sarah Schlafly. Today, we welcome to the show Mike Thacker. Mike is a prolific entrepreneur who is building an incredible chain of workspaces with a social mission in Texas. Welcome to the show, Mike. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to join you. Before we get into the work lodge, I'm really curious to hear about your background because your LinkedIn profile looks pretty darn cool. <laughs> okay, it's, it's a little varied, I'm sure, yeah. I saw that you started five companies. Yeah, I think we've started uh, three for-profits and two non-profits over the years. Tell me a little bit about that. So um, originally, I'm from the UK, as you can tell by my southern drawl. I was raised in Manchester, which is in the middle of the little island, if you were looking at a map. And so after doing some... Uh, some college stuff. I went to work for a IT reseller. And when I left there, I started my first company. This was back in the 90s. And it was a, a, an internet marketing company. So I started it with actually a coworker, And we had a little bit of fun there for a few years with the dot-com stuff. Uh, during that time, we actually founded a, a, an incubator as well with, um, with some other firms in Manchester. Um, so we could provide a, a full range of support services to um, budding entrepreneurs that wanted to start an internet-based business. Really? And so this was before this whole co-working thing became popular? Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm back in like 96, I guess. No, maybe 98, 99. Um, right around the time when Google was, was becoming popular and everybody realized the internet might be good for more than um, just the geeks of the world. So, uh, so we, th we thought we'd give it a go. And uh, we, we did okay. When I, when I left there, um, I actually moved to the US for the first time. We spent a couple of years here um, working with some nonprofits. We wanted to take some time just to do something different. And uh, I went back to the UK, went back into the corporate world, and then started my second company. And uh, that was more focused on audiovisual equipment. And um, did that for a little while before we moved back to the US for the second time. And so since we've been back here in 2007, um, I started um, a, a nonprofit, which is now what we call the Gabriel Foundation. And, and we have that obviously tied to the Work Lodge. So uh, Work Lodge is business number three and the Gabriel Foundation would be nonprofit number two. Those are both um, things we're, we're still actively involved with, with my wife and I. And, um, and really the Gabriel Foundation is, is, is a lot of the reason why we have the Work Lodge because although we as a business provide a an environment for entrepreneurs and, and, and you know, companies to, to come in, work in, thrive, succeed, and build community and all that kind of fun stuff that co-working spaces do. And, you know, through the nonprofit, we also try and encourage our members to get involved in something a little bit bigger than themselves and also really give them an outlet to get involved in something where maybe they may think they're too small and, and they can't make much of a difference, but collectively uh, we can make a huge difference. And so, um, over the last few years, we've donated about five and a half million dollars worth of food to families in need in the north side of Houston. 
Um, we built two orphanages last year in India. Um, each one houses 50 children. This year, we're going to open our third one in December. We've got one of our staff flying out. One of our members is flying out to be involved and, and be a part of the opening. He's super excited. So it's just great for us to, to be able to give a little bit back and, and do a little bit of meaningful work um, while having the fun of, uh, of the work lodge. So is the Gabriel a collection of different projects or is it focused on one central project? So the, the, the Gabriel Foundation, we focus on three core areas. Um, we are most interested in helping children who are in underprivileged situations. Um, secondly, we look for um, opportunities to help victims of human trafficking, abuse women, um, and then lastly, and, and least importantly, if you can call it that, would be just um, folks in situations that were unavoidable. So obviously, we're not a big foundation. We don't have deep pockets. We're funded really, for the most part, by the work lodge and, and the profits we make here with the for-profit business. We don't partner with large organizations um, who are well-funded because we don't feel like that's the best use of, of the small amount of dollars that we've got. So we look for very, very low-cost, high-impact opportunities um, you know, where we can make a difference so that we, we feel as though we're maximizing the, um, the resources we've got available to us. I love that. So really the work lodge was a result of wanting to start a social enterprise to fund and feed into the Gabriel Foundation. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good way to put it. You know, my, my longer term goal as we build the work lodge will be that I can spend a little less time on the work lodge and a little bit more time on the Gabriel Foundation. But um, but the two are absolutely, you know, linked from a DNA level. That's so cool. That's, this is, I think this is one of the first co-working space I've come across that's done that. Well, a lot of it falls back on my previous experiences. So uh, I'm an ex-preacher. Um, I worked out at a, a drug rehabilitation program in Nashville for a while called Teen Challenge. That was awesome lots of lives being changed and it just it just kind of opens your eyes to the fact that you know even though we're a business and, and we need to make you know a healthy profit to be successful and grow you know what we do with that profit is is incredibly important because i don't think we're just put here to to spend as much as we can and live life as as large as we can i think that we absolutely have a responsibility to do something more than that and, and it ties in again with the dna of you know, we, we created the work lodge because we wanted to help people live their dream to be able to achieve the things that they maybe couldn't achieve without us, without this environment, without this infrastructure, without this community. And so with the foundation, you know, it's, to me, it's exactly the same. Um, we're just trying to help different people live a different dream. And unfortunately, their dream is, you know, having a roof over their heads and, and having something to eat, which is a little bit more basic, but it's still a dream. And it's still a yeah. dream that we can affect an impact. So, so why wouldn't we? Right. Uh, that's really great mission. And you've been really successful with the work lodge. You're opening another space pretty soon. We are. So we've got two open right now in Houston. We are currently under construction in Dallas and it's about 50% bigger than um, either of my two Houston locations. So we're into the below 30,000 square feet. It's in the design district, which is a really hip, trendy kind of side of downtown. So we're pretty excited about that one. And then we've got two more under development here in Houston right now. So we're working hard on growing and the biggest news for us, and actually you're going to be the first person to hear this. So hot off the presses, but I just signed the paperwork. The envelope is on my desk going to the Secretary of State. We are officially going to be selling work large franchises throughout the United States as of today. Wow, that is exciting. Congratulations. 
Well, thank you. We're pretty, uh, we're pretty stoked about it. Do you have an interest list already? So we've had some folks, one of the challenges with, um, you know, with doing franchises from a practical level is you're not really allowed to talk about it. You're not really allowed to advertise it or anything until you've got all your disclosure documents done and all the legal stuff. So um, we haven't been able to kind of spread the word, but inevitably we naturally get people ask us from time to time, hey, have you guys thought about opening here or would you be interested in partnering with us if we wanted to open in you know, Chicago or whatever? And so those kind of folks, we've just, we've just kept a quiet, confidential black book of names. And um, so it's only a handful of them, but now that we can officially talk about it, we can go back to them and, uh, and give them the good news. I'm really excited for you to hear about that. Now, what do you think has been the key to your success? Because some, a, a lot of other co-working spaces are still trying to figure it out, still trying to break even or make that profit. And you clearly are expanding and your model's working for you. If there was any one thing that was pivotal to your success, what would you say that is? Well, I, th I think it's the details, um, Sarah, if I'm honest. So, so even though we we kind of call ourselves a co-working space. We're probably not a co-working space in the traditional sense. Um, oftentimes I'll tell people we're, we're really a premium workspace alternative. Uh, and, you know, we use this tagline of workspace reimagined because we, um, we think of ourselves as kind of the Mercedes Benz of, of flexible workspace, um, but at Ford prices. So we deliver a very high end product and we build in great locations. We, um, we're very safety and security conscious because of my background. So for example, if somebody works at a work lodge um, before they get a key, we, we have to background check them. It's part of the onboarding process and mm. they have to go through our screening. And occasionally we've had to turn people down uh, because they didn't pass. But I don't want to have an issue at 2 a.m. that someone's working in an office and there's a crazy guy down the hallway causing them a problem because obviously that's not, that's not good for anybody. And that's not the experience we want to deliver. So. As a business for us, our overriding guiding principle that we talk about with the staff, you know, on a regular basis is to deliver exceptional experiences to our members. And, and that can take a, all kinds of shapes and sizes, but I think it all stems from that level of detail. Um, my first location is approaching three years old. We still look brand new. We, you know, we, we do maintenance by the month and my paint guys in regularly. I mean, furniture's regularly rotated and moved out. We don't we don't let anything slide. And so I think because we focus so much on the detail, because we care um, as, as, as hard as we do, and, and I've got a great team around me that really do just make life easier and love on the, the, the members that we have in a good way. Um, you know, all of those things combined really separates us from, unfortunately, um, maybe some of the lesser, you know, funded type of spaces who, you know, you walk in and they look pretty crappy or they got all the furniture from Ikea and just that lower that lower tier kind of stuff. Um, we have our furniture custom made. We go overseas to factories. We spec out our chairs. We spec out the tables. We're just in the middle of doing that now for Dallas. Um, we, don't, we don't just buy off the shelf. I mean, it, it, it's wow. very unique. It's very detail-oriented. That makes it innovative. It, it, that truly makes it an innovative space when, when you have that level of customization, uniqueness about your space. What is one innovative product or idea that you've recently come across that you'd like to share with our audience? So we were constantly evaluating tools and, um, you know, software as a service type kind of solutions for various things. And in the last week or so, one of the things we've been playing with has been um, reputation management, review management. I'm sure that most co-working spaces struggle 
with um, getting their members to leave reviews in the first place, and then also the inevitable negative reviews um, that come along from time to time. So for example, we got our first negative review uh, probably about a year or so after being open. Somebody came in, they booked a meeting room for, for one hour. Um, we've never seen them before. We've never seen them since. I guess they left their laptop on their seat or something. The vehicle was broken into. And so, of course, it was our fault. We got the negative review. And, and you know, as a co-working space owner and someone who, who knows how hard my team works to deliver those great experiences, you know, we take that kind of stuff personally, especially when it's something we couldn't, we couldn't influence and wasn't even inside of our space. I mean, you're in a public parking lot. What, what can we do? Um, and so we've been looking at tools and, and solutions. And I think one of the things I've been surprised about um, just in that area, really, because I never really thought about it, is just how sophisticated some of these things are and how helpful they can be um, you know, in, in trying to make sure that the folks with the good experiences do share those as well so that we can kind of offset and balance those occasional negative ones. No one's perfect, but typically, you know, when you have a good experience, you just accept that's the norm. And so you're not so quick to leave those reviews and things, but, but we know that, that outside folks look at them and um, place value in them. So um, I think for me, that's just been a surprising thing, just, just how good some of those solutions are. I, I would say a lot of business owners uh, across the board really struggle with online reputation management. It's, it's huge, as you said. Um, I believe that online reviews are starting to become one of the biggest drivers of purchases. And so I'm curious, um, were there some brands that you found that you were impressed with? So the ones we're evaluating right now are um, Podium, uh, BirdEye, and then another one called Positive, and it's spelt with a Z, so P-O-Z-A-T-I-V-E, um, I guess. Um, and interestingly enough, they're Houston-based, and, and oh, we've been cool. goofing around with it this morning. So I, I don't know for sure yet which way we'll go, but... Um, but yeah, I'm with you. You know, reviews, it, I think it's an interesting thing. I almost, I almost wish that there was someone out there giving people an education on, on what reviews really are and how to really leave them appropriately. Because everybody in the moment when they're emotional, you know, you're, you're at the, the, the restaurant and the waiter brings the wrong dish and right, I'm jumping on Yelp and I'm going to leave them a negative or whatever. And I don't even know if that's a helpful review. I know for me personally, if someone's been somewhere one time, I, I don't know that that qualifies them to even leave a review. I want to hear from people who, have gone 50 times to that restaurant or have worked in a work lodge for a year. Now you've seen us day in, day out. You've seen the occasional mishaps, but you've also seen all the good stuff as well, hopefully. And I think you get a much more balanced um, opinion, you know, from someone who really understands the business they're reviewing. But I think currently the, the way that the review systems work online, you know, it's like eBay in the old days, right? You used to be able to leave a review when you bought something and the seller could leave a review. And then what happens is, a buyer has a negative experience and leaves a negative review. And so the seller kind of reciprocates and leaves a negative review for the buyer. So then eBay and their wisdom say, okay, we're going to stop all sellers from leaving negative reviews. Well, it sounds like a good idea, but now the buyers then blackmail the sellers because if you don't do this for me, I'm leaving you a negative review and there's nothing you can do about it to right. fix it. And I think it's an ultimately flawed system. We've just got to make the most of it. But I do think there's there's definitely um, a general improvement that could be had when you look at some of the things people write and and how quickly they say them um, and the, the the lack of experience with that product or with that entity. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I shop on Amazon and someone says, you know, I've had this for three days and it's awesome, is that really helpful? 
you've had it for three days, dude. I mean, tell me, tell me how good it is after you've had it for three months and you've really learned to use that camera or, you know, get the most out of that computer or whatever it is. Um, I, I just think, you know, as a system, it's, it's inherently flawed, but, but we make the most of it, um, you know, with, with whatever we can do. That's really interesting. You know, my reviews have evolved since becoming a business owner. From the business owner standpoint, you do see how business is done holistically. You will have um, mistakes that you make. A great business is one that's going to fix the mistakes. So if you're too quick right. to leave a review, then that's going to shift the perception of the business in possibly an unfair way. Absolutely. And I think especially for smaller businesses or privately owned businesses, you know, most people didn't go into business to do a bad job. So, okay, they may be doing a bad job and they may need some help or they may need to step their game up. But ultimately, if I'm at a restaurant and there's something wrong with my food, the right thing to do is to let them know there's something wrong with my food and, and let them fix it. Not just jump straight online, take a picture and, you know, and, and go throw my comments up. I think we've lost an element of just human interaction. Hey, I've got a problem. Can you help? Yes. You know, could you, could you do something? And, and that's disappeared because it's so much quicker and easier. And it's a shame because I, I think I think there's a lot of good people out there doing a lot of good stuff. I'm sure there's some great co-working spaces around the country. Obviously, I haven't had a chance to visit, you know, anywhere near all of them. Uh, and I'm sure that some of them probably struggle. And, um, and are unfairly uh, characterized or, um, you know, described by some of these things. And, and I'm sure they take it personally and I'm sure they go home and, and, and deal with those things. And, you know, these are real people. These are real people out there just trying to make a difference in their own little way. And I, I think as a society and as, as certainly as a group of co-working owners and, and co-working folks, you know, our job is to lift each other up, is to encourage each other, is to find the wins, to celebrate with each other. You know, we're, we're all trying to make the world a better place in our own way by creating these environments that people can be happy in, successful in, and thrive. Let, let's focus on the good stuff. And if we if we spot a gap, let's help each other fix it rather than, you know, trying to tear each other down. No, Nobody wins that way. You know, who, who wants to go to sleep at night being that guy? Because I don't. That, that's really well said. You know, when you're making business transactions, you're interacting with an entity, but the, at the end of the day, we are dealing with fellow humans. So each transaction, right. no matter what kind of monetary values exchange, is people dealing with people. Well, we found some innovative tools to help with uh, online reputation management. I'm going to check those out myself because that sounds very helpful. And I really appreciate you taking the time to share with me about the Work Lodge and about the Gabriel Foundation. It sounds like you, Mike, and your team are doing some pretty fantastic stuff down there in Houston. Well, I think you guys are doing some pretty cool stuff as well by the sounds of things. So, uh, so keep on rocking, you know? Thank you. So you can check out The Work Lodge at theworklodge.com. And if you're ever in Houston, go stop by and visit Micah's team at The Work Lodge.